The gospel is the greatest and most important thing in, in all of creation, all heaven and earth. And what we're doing this year is we're spending our entire year seeking to understand good news in four letters. Good news. The word gospel means good news. The four letters are uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And what you need to understand is everybody in this room, everyone you know, believes a gospel. Again, the word gospel means good news, something they think is good and something that is true. And it's very important to realize the gospel you believe determines the life that you live. Everyone is making, has made, and is going to make choices about what they think is right and best based on their gospel. Their gospel, what they think is best, what they think is good, what they think is right. Now, the Bible speaks of the gospel, God's gospel. Here's the definition of the gospel according to the word of God. The gospel is the power of God to save us from the punishment and power of sin. So we have peace with God, peace within peace with others. There is no gospel like the gospel of God. It is the one true gospel. And when you believe this gospel, it will change the way you live. It will lead you to a blessed life. And, and in this series, as we're studying the book of Galatians, we're talking about experiencing good news, experiencing the gospel. The, this letter was written to a group of churches in Southern Galatia. So it wasn't just one church, it was many churches. And, and the apostle was inspired by the spirit to write this because there was a false gospel that was not only impacting these churches, but all the churches at that time. And we're studying so that we can not only understand that false gospel, but learn to discern other false gospels so that we will reject them and pursue the one true gospel, the gospel of God. And so, so far, uh, let's look at where we've covered. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the book of Galatians. If you didn't bring a copy of the scriptures, that's okay. Feel free to download the ESV app. That's the Bible version we use is the ESV. Or right in front of you, there's an ESV Bible. Just take it and go to the, the New Testament. Go towards the back. And let's go to the book of Galatians. So far, we, we've talked about experiencing grace. And we studied chapters 1, 1 through 9. Then we talked about experiencing transformation. We did uh, chapter 1, verse 10, all the way through chapters 2, verse 10. It was a narrative. It was a testimonial, if you will. Last week, we talked about experiencing correction. We, we looked at this confrontation between the Apostle Paul and Peter and Barnabas in, in verses 11 through 14. Now today, today we're going to be in verses 15 through 21. So go ahead and go to chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. And, and just note in your mind, this is the end of the first section of this letter. All right. There's different sections. And this is kind of the conclusion of the matter as it pertains to Peter and Barnabas and the Judaizers and, and, the, and those who came from James and what he wants to speak to specifically about this. Now, again, we, we've got to realize that what we're going to see in this text today is, is, is plain spoken doctrine. And here's the doctrine, okay? It's the doctrine of, of justification. So what you're going to hear today is, is the doctrine of justification, now, remember, we're talking about experiencing justification. So to experience something is to have our heads, our hearts, and our hands engaged. It's a real temptation for me. And I want you to pray for me in this. this is, it's a real temptation for me to geek out and to make this a, a seminary lecture, all right? For me to go in on this doctrine and make it all about the head. So I've prayed that I won't do that. And I'm praying that you won't do that. That you'll actually experience justification. 
that it will hit your head, but it will move your heart and change your hands, the way you live your life. Now, it begins with the head, all right? We have in our articles of faith, as covenant members of the church, we've all agreed to this statement. And, and here's our doctrinal statement on justification. Justification is the act. Now, notice that it's a single act. It's an action. Is the, is the act whereby God declares a person innocent and righteous by counting the righteousness of Christ to his or her credit. So when we repent and believe the gospel, we are given not only forgiveness, but we're given credit for the righteousness of Christ. So that when God sees us, he sees Christ. It, it, another term is imputed righteousness. And so the righteousness of Christ to his or her credit through faith in the completed work of Christ. Again, it's so important that we don't just get a head knowledge of this, but we, we expect it and allow it to impact our hearts and also our hands. Uh, here's what I know about all of us. We all have issues. And we talked about some of those last week when we were talking about, you know, issues of legalism and, and hypocrisy uh, and, 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 I, and, and, and being, in, uh, uh, you know, intimidated. But today I, I want to go a little bit deeper. And I want us to think through, and I'm going to challenge you to think through, what is it that is keeping you from experiencing peace with God, peace within, so that your, your head and your heart and your hands are being transformed and guided by the power of the gospel? So what, what justification does is it, is it gives us this healthy, life-giving way of thinking, feeling, and living. Now, here's what I know, that we're all facing issues. And I put this on the screen for you. The issues we're each facing are holding us captive. You may not, you know, may not feel this way, but the, there is something, something that's holding you captive mentally, emotionally, and or physically. Mentally, some are suffering from stinking thinking, making their thoughts a trash heap. Emotionally, some are suffering from pride and, and, and others from despair. In either case, there is darkness and harm being done physically. Some are suffering from unhealthy habits that are causing harm. And I'll be honest with you, on Tuesday, I had a whole list of, uh, under each of those categories of probable sins or probable issues. But here's what I did. I deleted that. Because here's what I'm asking you to do. I want to encourage you to do. Is to invite the Holy Spirit of God to show you your issue. The fact of the matter is, you may or probably are blind to it. Your family probably knows very well what it is. You, you, people who, who know you well probably know. God certainly knows. And I want to encourage you to allow the Spirit of God to deal with you today and to enable you to experience justification and be free. Today we're going to learn how experiencing justification it really does that. It, it alone answers uh, the, the question to what has captured us and, and is now destroying us mentally, emotionally, and or physically. So let's now go to our text. We're in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 15 through 21. And Rhett is going to read for us. So let's all stand to, together in honor of God's word. And Rhett is going to, again, he's going to read for us this uh, significant section of scripture. Galatians 2, 15 through 21. Rhett, read that for us. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ then a sermon to sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law 
so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Well done, Red. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of, of God's word. All right. Let me deal with something out of the gate. I know, and, and I was praying about this on Wednesday, that there are going to be doubters, and there are doubters in the room. Here, here's the two levels of doubt. There's one group of you that are doubting that God can change your thoughts and your affections in your life. And there's others of you who don't think you need God to change your thoughts and your affections and your life. And in any case, you're in danger. And here's what I want to do. I want to convince you from the Bible today that, that God can do something that you by yourself cannot do. That God can do that not, something that, that no one and no other thing can do and, and what you've got to do in essence is this let go of what is destroying you mentally emotionally and physically and trust God in essence that's a whole sermon as a matter of fact let's pray let's go home no I'm just kidding we, we need to we need to look at this we need to get this that that's in essence what 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 but what the Bible's teaching today and I want you to go ahead and get that get orientated to that because again I know some of you're thinking well, I can't change and some of you think well I don't really need change I'm good Here's a picture I want to show you, okay? Everybody here, I said in my notes, I actually put almost everybody, but because I, I, I was trying to be nice. Everybody here is caught in what is known as the monkey trap. You guys familiar with the monkey trap? Here's the monkey trap. Monkey trap is when they put something in a, in a vase or a container that a monkey wants. And the monkey put it, puts its hand down in there and grabs that thing and wants that thing. But that vase or container is tied to a tree. And guess what happens to that monkey now? It's trapped. It's caught. Now, the crazy thing about it is to be free, you know all that monkey's got to do? Let go. Some of you here this morning, you're caught in, the, in a monkey trap. And friends, if you will let go, you can be free. You can be free. What is holding you captive emotionally Mentally, physically. Now, again, I know there's some here who are thinking, you know what? I get it. What I'm holding on to is way better than God and I'm not letting go. What I'm holding on to, I'm not going to let go of. I, I don't want God's blessing in my marriage. I don't, want, I don't want God's blessing in my life. I don't want God's blessing in my relationships and my future. This is better. This is more important. And some of you are making that choice and you're destroying your life. You're destroying your marriage. You're destroying it. And I want to beg you today, let go. Let go of it and trust God. And, and here's what I also know. Some of you have been holding on to whatever you're holding on to for so long. Here's what you're telling yourself. It's not a big deal. This kind of thinking, this, this kind of a, a emotion, this kind of activity, it's not a big deal. I've been doing good so far. I don't really need all that God stuff. God stuff, I'm doing okay. I'm doing good enough. No, you're not. You are captive. You are captive, whether you know it or not. And, and I beg you today to consider the truth of what God's word says and let go. 
so that you can be free. That this justification of God is an experience that transforms your, your mind and your, and your affections and, and, your, and your actions. And, and so there's two things here that I want to see that we can experience. Just, gospel justification causes us to experience, and the first one is this. Gospel justification causes us to experience spiritual freedom in humility. Spiritual freedom in humility. You look at verse 15, this is an argument that, that, that Paul makes throughout scripture. He, he makes it clear that, that there are advantages to, to being a Jew versus what he calls Gentile sinners, those who are unaware of God and, and have no desire to pursue God. Jews at least were aware of God. They were given, of course, the Old Testament, the oracles and promises. And, and so they knew of them, whether or not they acted on them. Well, that, that's a whole nother conversation. But the reality is, is that there is advantage. Again, he says this in Romans chapter three, beginning in verse one. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or, or what is the value of circumstances? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. So the Jews of Paul day, Paul's day are very much like people that are raised in the church in our day. Our kids, some of you were raised in the church. Some of you are now coming to church. And, and, and what does that give you access to? It gives you access to the word of God, to his promises. It gives you access to examples. We, we are so blessed as a congregation with some of the most godly men and women you could ever hope to meet in the world. Uh, people that, that if you could hear their story and to know how God has been so faithful and their faith has been so strong to see them through suffering and pain and success and all the things that the world could throw, you would be amazed at how God has been, been at work through this body of believers. And, and, and what I want to convince you to, to understand and to believe is that just because you've got access to this worldview and to this truth and, and to all these good things, that alone does not make things right. Look what Paul said here in verse 16. Here they were. He's talking about the, the, all the advantage that these folks have, that some of us have, that you have had. It says, but look, these folks, no one is justified by works of the law, but through faith in, in Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what's been made available to you. The only way you can experience justification is personally through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's confession here, the end of verse 16, look at this, what he says. He says, and this needs to be our confession, what we freely say. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, not by what we do, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. To be justified is to experience the single act of God when we repent and believe that all of our sin is put away and we are given the righteousness of Christ, which gives us access to all who God is and all that God can do. Justification gives us access to all who God is. Some of you know about God and, and James, it's, you're basically like the, the, the demons. They know about God, but they don't have access to God. They don't have the blessings of God. And there's some of you are in that boat today. I'm sorry to say, you know about God. You know God's stuff. But you are not living and having access to all God is and all that God can do. Dr. Tony Evans loves to tell a story about when he was the chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks, the NBA basketball team. He loved that because he got, he had access uh, to some pretty cool stuff. One of, he, he had access to the locker room. He can just go in there. 
get him a water, kind of hang out. He had access to talk to the coaches and players. He walked in. They knew who he was. Uh, he had access to him. And they gave him front row seats at the game, which, by the way, those are expensive. That is ridiculous. That is crazy how much people, I, and I've paid it, and I'm embarrassed to tell you, but it's a lot. He had access to all this. And he talks about when, he, uh, when one of his uh, sons got old enough, he took him with him. And, and they walked up. And, and there was a security guy there and he looked at Dr. Evans and he looked at the child. He didn't know the child, but he motioned for him to go in. The child got to go in because he was with his daddy. Then they, they went into the locker room, all the players. They looked at Dr. Evans, smiled. They looked at the child, didn't know the child, realized the child was with Dr. Evans. So they talked to the child. Otherwise, that child would have been evicted, Right. Then they got to, it's time for the game after he talks. So they go to the game, they're at the front row, there's security at the front row, looks at Dr. Evans, knows Dr. Evans, doesn't know this child, realizes that the child's with Dr. Evans. Child got a seat in the front row. And Dr. Evans loves to say, they didn't let that child in because of that child. They let that child in because of me. And, and he talks about the fact that, that, that his child got all the blessings of access because he had a relationship with him. And so it is with us in Christ. We have access to all who God is and all that God can do. Not because we've earned it, not because we have a natural right, but because we've trusted in the one who gives us the right, who justifies us, who gives us this standing with God. I think about in our congregation, we have, we have families that went overseas to adopt their children. We have children in our church family that are here today that they could have never been here in and of themselves on their own, earned the right. The reality is if those children had gone to the U.S. Embassy in their country and said, hey, I want to go to America. I want to get what they got. They would have said, child, go home. But here's what happened. There were parents who chose those children. They were, they were born in their parents' hearts. And they went overseas with, with U.S. Constitution authority. And they adopted those children. And you know what? Those children were given rights to the access to all that, that America has to offer. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They were given it because of their parents. So you know what happened, Dr. Evans' son? He started going to those games and he started calling security by name. What's up, Bob? What's up, Chuck? What's up? And, and, and they just smiled. He started acting like he belonged. He started living in the, the access that he was enjoying. You know what happens to a lot of our children that have been adopted? They've learned our language. They've learned our customs. They, 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 know, they know American stuff. They get it. They live in it. You know what happens when you trust in Jesus Christ and you gain access to all his stuff? You start living like it. You start living in this freedom, this, this, this new life where you have freedom and, and gain peace with God, peace within, peace with others. And it changes all that you are. It changes your life. And it's humbling. And here's why most of you reject it that do reject it. Is because you don't want to, you don't want to feel like you're having to depend on anyone or anything other than yourself. And some of you can't get over yourself. And you just think, oh, no, no, I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone. <sighs> Can I just tell you that's a really arrogant statement? I know you don't think it is, but it is such an arrogant statement. I'm too far gone. Really? You're too far gone for God? You think you're bigger and stronger than God? You think you're beyond and, and God? Wake up. Our God is mighty. 
He is mighty to save. And if you will humble yourself and you'll acknowledge him, there's a humility, but, but in there, there's a spiritual freedom that you gain access to God and all that he is. Second, gospel justification causes us to experience eternal life with gratitude. Now, verses 17 through 18 are two of the most difficult verses in this letter. Read it real quick. Um, it, is, it is a mouthful. I'll just read it. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What? What's I understand those, the words. What, what do they mean? And I will tell you, there are a lot of commentaries that don't agree on this. And, and, and and I get it. I think this is what Peter was talking about. He's kind of ribbing Paul a little bit in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. You may not have seen this. It's a little brotherly love, a little hassling of one another, if you will. He says, uh, and count the patience of our Lord to salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in, in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. <laughs> in other words, I don't always get what Paul's talking about, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do. Now, look what he says here. Other scriptures. What, the, what Peter was acknowledging here is what the letters that Paul wrote are God's word. What are the scriptures? What does our memory verse from last month tell us? All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for, for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what all scripture, and so this scripture is good for that. Now, what are these verses saying? Remember, the apostle Paul has just talked about how he had to confront Peter and Barnabas because what they had done is they'd gone back to the, a false gospel that they were taught as children that, that by being Jews, they were given access to God. And so he's correcting them saying, no, 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 a person doesn't have to become Jewish before they can be saved. But they were acting that way. And so, so Paul comes back and the first thing he says is that it is, is, it's plainly either Jesus is wrong or you're wrong, Paul. See, what he's, what he's doing there, he's saying, okay. And I think he's kind of given a, if you're right, then Jesus is causing us to sin. Because Jesus saved us to have fellowship with all believers. But, but Paul and Barnabas and all the people from, from James were saying, no, 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 it's a sin to associate with those who are not living a Jewish lifestyle. And so what, what, what Paul's saying here is, that, well, either you're wrong or Jesus is wrong. And so when he asked the question, does Jesus live us, lead us to sin? Strongest language you can imagine, Jesus, the, the letter says, certainly not. Jesus does not lead us to sin. He leads us to righteousness. He leads us to live in a godly way in harmony. First uh, Corinthians 12, what's this harmony look like? For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter your, 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 the, your stage of life. Doesn't matter. All were made to drink of one spirit. We are all saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and we're equal at the cross. And so not only is it right to associate with people from a different upbringing than you, it's expected. Because the gospel makes us all justified in the same way. And so we have access to the Father and all he is in the same way. 
So then he keeps on hitting pretty hard. Verse 18, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What's he saying? If I go back to that false gospel, then I am a transgressor. I am sinning. If I treat other people based on their nationality or their behavior, then I'm, I'm rebuilding what the gospel and what I have torn down. He says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going back. This is the mistake that, that Peter and Barnabas and, and the people from, from Jerusalem were making. They were going back to a false, a false gospel. And that, I see that happen a lot. I've seen that happen a lot in my ministry, in, in my life. I, when, I, um, when I was in high school, I had a group of friends that were saved about the same time I was. And there was a cult. It was called the Worldwide Church of God. Still an active cult. They changed their name to disguise themselves. Same doctrine. It's a lie. And what they were basically teaching is what, what the gospel here, what, what the, the Galatians were dealing with. They were basically saying, you've got to keep the Jewish law in order to be saved. And my friends tried and they all failed. And so you know what they did? They gave up on God. And I couldn't believe it. That happened my sophomore going to my junior year. When I was in college, same thing. Sophomore, junior year, that cult impacted uh, some of the guys that I was going into ministry with. Same deal. They, they gave up. They gave up on God. And... and it, since that time, I've seen that happen here. Here at Living Hope, we see people come and claim Christ. And some are even baptized. Some even join the church. And, and this is a pejorative statement, and I, I hope it's not taken the wrong way. But I, I categorize these folks as 60-day saints. Because here's what happens a lot. And some of you are in the process of doing this right now. It's sad. 60 days from now, some of you will not be here and you'll never be here again by your choice. Because here's what happens. Is people come and they say, yay, Jesus, yay, living hope, yay, yay. And then they go back to other lifestyles. And we call them, hey, we haven't seen you at church. I don't have to be at church every Sunday. I don't have to give financial. I don't have to serve. I don't have to be a part of it. I don't need you telling me, whoa, 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 whoa. You signed the membership covenant. You said you wanted to. You said you believed this. Well, what happens is people go back and they revert to an old way of thinking and feeling and living. And some of you are in the process of doing that right now. And you're doing what, what, what Paul and Barnabas did. I'm sorry, Peter and Barnabas did. And, and those Judaizers is you're going back to a way of life where you claim to be in control. Where you're living on your demands and your ways. And here's what you've done. You've fallen into the monkey trap. Your hand has now grasped something that is holding you and you can't let go. And you, not the thing you're holding, you are being held captive. You are. There's, there's a scripture, Paul shares his testimony. He, he, he speaks of this, this, this life that he has in verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. This is our scripture memory verse by, for this month, by the way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, who, uh, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I, I, live in the, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for, um, for me. Here's what Paul said to writing to Timothy. He, he understood the purpose Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. And he goes on to share his testimony. That's 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. Why did he say that? Same reason he wrote verse 21 of Galatians 2. 
I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I want you to understand what the Hebrew writer was trying to make those folks understand. What the Bible is constantly trying to make us understand is this. You're giving control of your life to something. And that something is something you think is good news. You think it's gospel. If it's not Jesus Christ, it's holding you captive and it's keeping you from who God really is and all that God can really do. And, and this morning, I wanna beg you to try to figure out what that is if you haven't already. I want to assure you, Christian, no matter how strong your faith is right now, there is still probably something that is holding your mind and your affections and your behaviors captive. The world calls it an addiction. Maybe it is, I don't know. The Bible calls it a sin. I can't help it. I can't help but think this way. I can't help but feel this way. I can't, I get it. You're trapped. What will set you free? Justification. You let go of it. You allow Jesus to define you. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are free. Now you don't have to live for things that will not last. You're now free to live in the everlasting love of God. And you have access to all of his promises. He will guide you and he will show you his way. And in his way, there is health and life. Any other choice you will make will only lead to destruction. It's gonna destroy you. It's gonna destroy your marriage. It's gonna destroy your family. It's gonna hurt other people. Stop. Trust Christ. Let go. Trust Christ. And be free. Because that's what the gospel does. The gospel of God is, is the power of God that sets us free from the punishment and power of sin so that we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. Let's stand together. Caregivers, if you would, please come forward. Father, again, here's what I know. There, there's a lot of issues that we're all facing and, and the enemy tempts us all in, in unique ways because we're all unique. And so we're prone to, lead, to, to believe certain lies. We're, we're prone to be overwhelmed with certain emotions. We're, we're prone to, to act in, 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 in decent ways and in, in things that maybe we were taught as children or things that we've come across in the world. Lord, nothing can save us but you. We can't save ourselves. We, 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 we can't make happen what, what we desire, what we long for, what we need. We need you, God. We need access to you. We need what you can do. And that only happens through justification in Christ. So I pray for some today who've never experienced justification, that today they'd come and talk with one of these leaders at the front or head out to Guest Connect and, and talk to the folks there at the desk and learn how their life can be changed. God, I pray for some believers who are here today who are deceived. And they think, I'm fine. I got this. Completely numb. It's probably the best way to say it, Lord, to the things that, that we believe and feel and live that, that do not honor you. And I pray that we will have the, the faith to trust you, the courage to walk away, to let go and to live lives in Christ, be crucified with Christ and no longer live a life apart from you, but, but live with Christ, you at the center of our being. We need help. 
So for those today who need help, who just want to come get on their knees and ask for help, God, help them. Your mercy, your mercy, giving us, oh God, not giving us what we don't deserve. You give mercy. So free us today, oh God. We ask this in Jesus' name.